This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Nobody hiding, Jason Fitz. There is no hiding from any Heat fan today. That's for sure. They have been out in full force all over Miami last night. Joe Pots and Pans all over Hialeah. If you know, you know what I'm talking about. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small businesses keep you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. So the Miami Heat are headed to another NBA Finals. This off of a Game 7 performance from their best player. Caleb Martin. He put up 26 points, 10 boards in game seven, and they are headed to an NBA finals. It was never really a game the whole way through. Jimmy Butler scored 28 points as well. I did not exhale until three minutes left. I started feeling pretty good when Duncan Robinson was taunting the crowd with something like five minutes left where he felt he had the tenacity there, Joe, to put his hand up to his ear because he couldn't hear the crowd at TD Garden because it was so <laughs> quiet. When you're getting bleep-talked by Duncan Robinson, that is when it felt like a rap, but I didn't actually exhale until it was so statistically and numerically impossible for them to come back, even though the Heat were up at like 20 points with five minutes left. It took me probably until the three-minute mark to really relax. Given how that series played out, you're not going to relax pretty much until the final horn, right? Like, you know, you know what you're in for. It was a roller coaster. No reason to get ahead of yourself. I mean, who would have thought shooting 16 of 77 from deep over the final two games of the series wouldn't have resulted in two wins? The fact, (laughs) and that's 20%, by the way, that is absolutely pathetic for a team that takes that many three pointers to go 16 of 77 over the final two games, and yet you still were able to win game six. Shocking to me. More on that in a moment. I want to ask you a question. You mentioned Caleb Martin. He was sensational. He couldn't miss. He had big buckets all throughout the course of the series. Did you think he should have been named Eastern Conference Finals MVP? He lost to Jimmy Butler. The vote was 5-4. to four. He maybe shouldn't have been, only for this reason. The reason is that this team goes the way that Jimmy Butler goes, not the way that Caleb Martin goes, meaning Caleb Martin was incredible, actually, all series long. You got really big games from Caleb Martin in the losses that Miami had. Jimmy Butler was not incredible in those losses, and it was very frustrating. And so from an MVP most valuable perspective, and it always matters how you define most valuable, but I guess the value of Jimmy Butler was more obvious because when he came to play, the Heat won. When he didn't show up, the Heat ended up losing. Caleb Martin actually showed up every single night, <laughs> and the Heat lost some of those games. Now, that all being said, I wanted Caleb Martin to win it. I like that story. I like more of, like, I want more of the Iguodalis with the, you know, finals MVP trophies. I like those stories better than just, oh, let's give it to you know Steph every time because we expect him to get it or Braun every time because we expect him to get and it, it felt a little bit like that right where it's like oh well it's Jimmy's team so we're gonna give it to Jimmy I would have preferred it go to Caleb Martin but I do think that there's a strong argument to be made from a value perspective of why it should have gone to Jimmy Butler even though I think it would have been much more fun if it had gone to Martin Butler's leadership has to be quantified as well. And when it comes to these awards, a lot of people will go right into the stats and they'll just lay out averages and usage rates and things of that nature. That's all well and good. That's part of the equation. 
But Butler's the alpha dog on that team. He's the leader. There is something about the leadership. There's something about the fact that they blew a 3-0 series lead, and he's out there immediately talking about how confident they are with Game 7. They're not sweating it. We get to see that in public. Imagine what he's saying behind closed doors. The leadership value there has to be quantified as well. That's not a knock on Caleb Martin. It's just another plus for Jimmy Butler as to why he won that award. Uh, Tim Bontemps, who works for ESPN, he covers the NBA. He was on the morning show today, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, and he was the ninth vote. He was the swing vote. It was 4-4, wow. and he turned his ballot in last, and he had it for Jimmy Butler. So if he yeah. goes the other way, it goes to Caleb Martin. Now, granted, it's not as if it was Shiv in secession at the end with, I'm not going to get into anything there, but wow, what an ending that was. But yeah, he was the last one to turn it in, so apparently that's what swung it. So that's kind of an interesting story in and of I mean- itself, but... I think Jimmy would have preferred to go to Caleb Martin. And it was funny, like Jimmy wouldn't even touch the trophy last night. The Eastern Conference trophy said no off mic. He said, no, I'll I'll hold the next one because he's obviously very focused on trying to get an NBA finals trophy this time around. Caleb Martin would be the better story. You're talking about an undrafted guy. guy, It's remarkable. When you look up the stats for Caleb Martin from the regular season versus the postseason, we talk about playoff Jimmy. Apparently there's such a thing as a playoff Caleb Martin, <laughs> yeah, where he just took it up to an unbelievable level. He's averaging something like 10 more points per game than he normally averages in the postseason. Made threes in this series, in the seven-game series between Boston and Miami. Combined, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, 18. Caleb Martin, 22. <laughs> well, he, he went over his player prop total for scoring, in every single game. So if you just bet over his amount of points, it cashed in all seven games. If you bet over on his three-pointers, that cashed in all seven games. Uh, fun fact, by the way, did you know that despite being eliminated close to 20 days ago, Steph Curry still leads everybody in made three-pointers this postseason? Really? Steph Curry is still the leader. He's the leader in two categories. Get this. I read this earlier today. It's fascinating because he was eliminated in game six against the Los Angeles Lakers back in the conference semifinals. Right. He still leads the NBA for this postseason in made three pointers as well as points scored in the fourth quarter. Nobody has more fourth quarter points than Steph Curry. And I mean, players in Boston, Miami, uh, Denver. L.A. have played a lot more games than him, obviously. So played a lot more a, games than him. This is a fun fact. Miami Did certainly you know, spreads as we channel around. Sports Center. <laughs> yeah. Did you know? No, I like that. I love stats like that. There was a lot of fun stats in this Boston-Miami series as well. I know Spo has said that he finds it disrespectful that we all keep mentioning the undrafted things with these guys. I guess I feel like it's a sign of respect, and maybe there's something about it that I think appeals to the every man or the every woman where we feel like, which is so ridiculous, like, oh, if Caleb Martin can do it you know like we can accomplish things in life as well because look at the undrafted guy who goes on to great success here in an eastern conference finals and all of a sudden the entire country knows his name but those stories are fun and i don't think it's a sign of disrespect to talk about how there's several of those stories on this miami heat team and they've taken their turns gabe vincent being one of those stories as well in this heat postseason and they are having their moment these guys the max struces of the world these undrafted players that the Heat have sort of plucked out of oblivion or plucked out of nowhere.
Well, they have become names. Caleb Martin was waived, I believe, by the Hornets, what, a, a couple years ago? They don't they need took, him. They're doing fine. Everything's fine took, in Charlotte. Right, in Charlotte. They don't need him. He was out of work. He didn't have a job. It took Jay Cole, the rapper, uh, giving a call to Karan Butler, an uh, assistant coach for the Miami Heat, and saying, hey, take a look at this guy. That's how the Heat take a look at the game film for Caleb Martin to decide, hey, we're going to bring him in for a tryout. And the rest is history. He ends up being a major contributor for nothing in terms of cost right now to the Miami Heat. Quick question for you. Quick question. I know we're going to save a lot of this for tomorrow and Thursday. I just want to know very quickly your concern level going into this matchup with Denver. Trying to focus on this series before I move on mentally. Oh, no wow. One is- she hasn't put it behind her yet, James. That is that's a sign of disaster. You no got to get past it. Quick turnaround. Game if one Thursday. Any fan that's telling you, oh, we feel great about Denver, then they're lying. Nobody feels great about Denver. Who in the country would feel great about Denver? Right, Boston just, won the series. They're going to feel great curious. about Jokic. How can you feel great about Jokic? He's practically trap. Uh, he's practically averaging a triple double this postseason. And yes, I'm concerned about the matchup with Bam and Jokic because also a little concerned about how Bam's been playing offensively the last couple of games. Because th- so there's that. So we will get into that and what it means there. in those matchups. With Denver. I also said quickly, and she here comes yeah. the word salad. Yeah. It's like here oh, quickly. There's concern. Everybody there's out of the, the way. Concerns. I've got takes. But here's the thing. I had my concerns against the Boston Celtics. I had my concerns against the Milwaukee Bucks, and to a lesser extent, I had my concerns against the New York Knicks. And so concerns ain't nothing not new to us. So we ready? Okay, I got my concerns, right. but we ready? Yeah. Still going. Still, all right. Coming up next. How about that? The Cardinals released DeAndre Hopkins last week. Let's talk about some football because Joe's tired of me talking about the Miami Heat. We'll get into the best landing spot <laughs> for Hopkins. That is next. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
talk some NFL. Let's pivot away from basketball for just a moment because the Cardinals released DeAndre Hopkins months after the All-Pro wide receiver first surfaced as a trade candidate. The release happened on Friday. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Apparently, there were two teams that had engaged in serious conversations with the Cardinals about trading for Hopkins. The Bills and the Chiefs are the two names being reported. They briefly engaged in talks, but ended up backing out. Nobody was interested enough, I guess, to really give anything up for DeAndre Hopkins, considering the price tag and everything else that went into it. Cardinals decided they needed to move on. You've got a big-time wide receiver on the market, Joe. A Big-time wide receiver. Great work by the Cardinals getting nothing but a monster dead cap charge for losing Crazy. DeAndre Hopkins. Just first-class work from an organization absolutely headed in the wrong direction in every possible way. But enough about them. The Buffalo Bills need to make this happen. There's no sitting around. There's no thinking, maybe we should do this. How do we do it? Does it work? You just go out and you get it done. There's a few reasons for this. Number one, you currently are about to enter a year where your quarterback, Josh Allen, a fantastic Pro Bowl franchise quarterback, is set to have an $18 million cap hit. That's it. This is the last year you're going to have a friendly cap number for your franchise quarterback because next year that number goes from $18 million to $47 million. It is going to be much harder to retain, sign, acquire, you name it, high-level talent to build out the rest of that roster when the quarterback's taking up $47 million in cap space. So this is the time to get aggressive. You've been on the cusp the last couple of years. You've got a solid defense. You've got a great home field advantage. You have the weapons in place. This guy would put you over the top. Reason number two you need to make it happen, if you don't, he might land in Kansas City, and that's one of your biggest rivals. And you've got to prevent them from getting any bigger and better, or you're not going to end up going to the Super Bowl, which is the goal for all of this in the first place. So Buffalo has got to get this done. DeAndre Hopkins, six 1,100-yard seasons. He's averaging a touchdown every other game he's played for his career. You know what quarterbacks this guy has played with? TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage, Matt Schaub, Case Keenum, Ryan Mallett, obviously Kyler Murray and a few others. But think about what his career has been made up of from a quarterback perspective and look at the numbers he's produced. Imagine if he ends up playing with Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Just imagine what this guy could do. He's only 30 years old. He's got the most receptions in NFL history for a player through the age of 30. It does stand to reason that the Bills and the Chiefs, who have already engaged in trade talks with the Cardinals to try to get Hopkins, so they've already spoken to Hopkins, they've already decided that they liked Hopkins, they've already decided that Hopkins is a good fit for their team, and the only reason, reportedly, that they backed out of those talks were for financial reasons. It stands to reason that those two teams will be first in line to try to get him now that he's on the open market. Still expensive, still pricey in order to get to DeAndre Hopkins, but think about what you're getting with Hopkins. I love that fit for Buffalo. I think that that would be a huge swing for Buffalo and very helpful to a Josh Allen-led team that I think that everyone expected would be a Super Bowl contender this past season and just couldn't get over that hump. Maybe Hopkins does that for you. The Chiefs, obviously, a scary proposition as well. I almost want to just gloss over the Chiefs because of James Steele. But James, you are the resident Chiefs fan. <laughs> How do you feel about the possibility of your team with the would very much enjoy that. Yeah, that would be a great addition, I think. 
Excellent analysis by you. The Panthers, <laughs> the Lions, the Packers, Packers, lethal. The Texans and the Ravens are all being reported as well as teams that maybe could explore the possibility. The Patriots have been floated. I'd love it to is see rec- it in Baltimore. Baltimore would just be imagine finally paying Lamar, making all these moves and doing that. By the way, I'm going to throw Phil this at Beckham you, Junior. I think it is a fantastic bet to bet DeAndre Hopkins 35-1 to to win Offensive Player of the Year because Tyler Fulgham pointed this out on Daily Wager. I think it was yesterday, very astute point, ESPN 2, 6 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday, boom, that's how you plug. Uh, This is now a wide receiver award. The MVP is always going to the quarterback, so the high-level wide receivers, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson – they're the ones that are winning this award. You put this guy with Patrick Mahomes. Now, Josh Allen, obviously, Stephon Diggs is still there, but you can put this guy with Patrick Mahomes. He 35 to 1, that's not going to exist. That is a great price for the numbers he could put up. Here's the problem. The Bills and Chiefs don't have much cap space. That's the problem for those two teams. I think the only team that has less cap space than them in the NFL right now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they don't have a ton of room to work with. The Patriots have been floated in the past as being interested in DeAndre Hopkins. One reason that team is coming back up. Uh, it's recruiting season as well. I haven't even mentioned the Cleveland Browns, the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. He's out here recruiting himself for DeAndre Hopkins. Here is Deshaun Watson. Me and D-Hop, we just naturally talk. We've been talking since, you know, the Houston days. And then also whenever he left Arizona, we were always talking. So, you know, he's always been a brother of mine since I was coming out of high school. Our connection, our relationship has always been great. Uh, And I know there's a lot of things swirling around in the media of, you know, him possibly coming to Cleveland. And, you know, for me, my answer to that is, of course, we would love to have him. Uh, he knows that. Um, we had a lot of connections, but, you know, that's kind of out of my <laughs> range of things of kind of coordinating things. So all I can do is, you know, make a call and, and see what happens. Let A.B. do the rest. That was, that was some pretty heavy recruiting there from Deshaun Watson. Obviously, a previous relationship there between those two. It sounds like they're pretty tight. I would imagine. Sounds though, like tampering is what it sounds like. All that talk going back to when he was with other teams. That sounds like tampering to me. <laughs> they watch yourself there. there amongst the amongst the players. But the point is, I think we could list just about every team in the NFL, right? I mean, just about every team in the league is going to be interested. They might not want to pay him, but they're all going to be interested in the services of DeAndre Hopkins. There should be 31 other teams on this list now that Arizona released him. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you got some teams that are already stacked. Like Miami's already stacked at that position, so they don't need to get invested. But Baltimore would be compelling to see. Cleveland's interesting because I think Cleveland's going to be a lot better than people realize. They're a great buy-low team. Everyone sold Deshaun Watson stink last year, so they just assume he's going to stink again this year. I don't know. I think he's going to knock the rust off. I think Stefanski's a very bright offensive mind. That Cleveland team should not be slept on. That division is going to really? be filthy this season. Yeah, I think they're going to be good. They're going to be better okay, than so people So you believe realize. that Deshaun Watson's just going to bounce back after us really not seeing anything? I mean, him being a shell of himself this past season, given coming back from a huge hiatus of football. We'll see. It's all going to depend on his success moving forward. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins would help that, would help Deshaun Watson get in the groove there in Cleveland. It'll be interesting. I know a lot of people reading into Hopkins' Instagram stories, and it's going to be the DeAndre Hopkins watch season here for a little bit moving forward. Joe and Amber, the podcast. In their 40th 
27th season in the NBA. The Denver Nuggets are going to the NBA Finals. We're not satisfied. I think that's one message that's coming out of our locker room right now. We understand that we're heading to the NBA Finals, and we have four more games to try to win. The Heat become just the second eight seed ever to make the NBA Finals. We know we have more work to do, but damn, is this hard. The longer you're around in this business, you realize the harder and harder it is to do something like this. And the Miami Heat are doing it with a bunch of players that you could argue are maybe underpaid now, although at times looked like they might be overpaid. A lot of people think Caleb Martin should have been the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals, even though that went to Jimmy Butler. Caleb Martin got paid on a three-year deal, $20 million in 2022. I remember people saying he was overpaid at the time at $20 bucks. He's making $6 million this year. I think people probably feel like at this point that he's earned just about every dollar of that $6 bucks. Let's bring in some help for the conversation from the front office perspective from the Miami Heat and beyond. We will get into teams all around the NBA with this guy, Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. And Bobby, thanks so much for joining us. Let's go ahead and start there with the Miami Heat. How surprised are you that they are doing it with this roster? What strikes you about the way that they've built this thing? Well, I mean, I think it's, I mean, if you watch this team during the regular season, um, you know, it certainly was inconsistent. I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, certainly injuries and, you know, Eric had a, a different lineups rolling out there and it's a, you know, it's a blue collar team. And then you lose Tyler Hero in game one of that Milwaukee series. So, I mean, you're basically, you know, as you saw last night, you're staring at, you know, basically bam and, and a bunch of six, six and below guys out there. And certainly you've gotten Kevin Love, but you're right. I mean, the, the, players that they've kind of either were undrafted or were drafted and then waived by their former team, whether it be, you know, Caleb Martin or Gabe Vincent or Max Struess or, um, you know, even, you know, Kyle Lowry to a point who we thought probably was a little bit washed up a year ago, um, have all played a uh, significant role here. And, um, you know, they've of course got a tall task against this really, really good Denver team, but, Man, I think it's a, I think it's a sign that you don't have to build a roster with star players. It doesn't have to be top heavy here, but if you have a really good scouting department that Miami has, that you can find these under the radar type players. Let's go to the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown lands a spot on second team All NBA this year, which means he's eligible for a two hundred and ninety five million dollar extension. But he goes MIA last night. Now that's just one game. It's just one game. But a lot of people look at that. Then they look at two hundred ninety five million and they think, is that what the Celtics should do? How do you see it playing out with Jalen Brown? I think he gets extended for the Supermax number, and then you figure it out a year from now or two years from now. I think, I think eventually you're going to have to pivot here. I just think from a value standpoint, Jalen Brown on a, on a Supermax contract, uh, although he couldn't be traded for another year, has more value than Jalen Brown on an expiring contract here. Um, you know, Jason Tatum, as you know, is next year here. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, the rules how are, are going to be, are going to be extremely hard, how you kind of build out, um, build out your roster. You know, it's, it's challenging where, you know, I hear people say, well, they should be traded for, you know, Damian Lillard or some of these other high play, you know, price played players. I'm thinking like, well, wait a minute, Damian Lillard makes 50, $50 million too. You're still going to have the same, same problems that you have as far as constructing a roster here. So, for me, I would extend them. I think you can always pivot. Utah showed you could pivot with um, Gobert and Mitchell last year. And if you have to pivot a year from now or even two years from now, you go out and do that. 
Might have to pivot if Jalen Brown continues to have the problems dribbling that he's had uh, the last two years. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, joining us here on Joe and Amber. Bob Myers stepped down at the helm for the Golden State Warriors after, what, a 12 or 13-year unbelievable run built, obviously, for championship teams there during his time. Where do you see the Golden State Warriors going now without Bob Myers? Yeah, I mean, there was still a long to-do list, even with Bob Myers there or, or, you know, him not there. I think, you know, certainly the draft coming up in a month, they've got the 19th pick. Of course, everything's going to be kind of revolved around Draymond Green, who's got this $27.6 million player option, and then certainly Clay Thompson, who's extension eligible here. I think the likelihood is that you see these core three players stay intact. Jordan Poole is certainly the name to focus on as far as how they can maybe get improve the roster as far as splitting up his contract here. And then as we talked about, you know, you've got these new set of CBA rules that are going to come into play. Um, but I think it's business as usual. I think you, what you'll probably see is either Mike Dunleavy Jr. or Kirk Lakeup kind of um, take over. They're already there. I don't see you're going to see someone from the outside. I think the biggest thing with Bob not there is the relationships, the relationships that he had with Green and Curry and Thompson – you know, the kind of that in-between guy between, you know, ownership and, and um, the front office and, and the coaching staff. Bobby, I want to pivot over to the Eastern Conference with the Philadelphia 76ers. Nick Nurse taking over for Doc Rivers. Two-part question here. Can Nurse get them over the hump? And then what do you think is going to happen with James Harden? Can I ask you the second question first? Go, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's going to be the key. You know, I think Harden plays such a big role as far as what happens with this 76ers roster. I, I'm hesitant committing four years, $210 million. I mean, paying him $62 million when he's 37, I wouldn't do. But what's your alternative, right? That's the big thing. And who else is out there? Is Houston out there? And Listen, James Harden on this roster is a lot better than James Harden on not on this roster because basically you left, you're left with um, Tyrese Maxey and certainly Joel Embiid and PJ Tucker, Tobias Harris, that group there. I don't think that's good enough to get out of a out of an Eastern Conference here. And then as far as with Nick Nurse, Nick, it's interesting for me. It's just based on watching him in Toronto and seeing what he was able to do. Is can he run that same style where you're basically playing basically four or five players, you know, 35 plus minutes? Um, is he going to rely on his bench, something that he didn't do in um, in, in Toronto here? Um, I think it makes it a little bit easier when you do have Harden on your roster here because it forces everyone um, down a slot here. So there's a lot of work to do in in, um, in Philadelphia. How he uses James, um, how he uses Joel Embiid is certainly going to be a big question too, as far as that big traditional center here. So, but I do think it starts with Harden as far as if he's back in a, in a six-year uniform. That gives him more of a chance than if he wasn't. But, the, you know, as you know, the question is going to be how, what's the cost going to be? Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, joining us here on Joe and Amber. Reportedly, Nick Nurse chose the Sixers over the Suns. The Rockets found their head coach, Adrian, Adrian Griffin, uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. So the dominoes have been falling in terms of the coaching vacancies, Bobby. What's going on with the Phoenix Suns? And are there any other coaching vacancies that we should have our eyes on? Yeah, I mean, Phoenix is interesting, certainly with, um, you know, with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and there's still a lot of questions there as far as how you build out that roster. Um, I thought the guy they had in place, Monty Williams, was the right guy. I understood why they went that direction. Certainly where where they are with whether it be Doc Rivers, certainly that's a name that's been um, linked there, certainly a veteran coach. Um, Detroit still has an opening. Toronto still has an opening. 
Um, I thought Boston could be open if they were swept in four games. I think getting to seven games probably saves Joe Mazzulla's job. Um, it, but, you know, we still have these, you know, we still have Monty Williams out there. We still have Doc Rivers out there. We still have Mike Budenholzer out there. Certainly Agent Griffin was an assistant coach. Um, you know, so there's still a lot of veterans out there if, if one of these teams want to go out and grab one. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I wonder uh, I if there's was... anything we could throw at him that he wouldn't be able to answer. Like, he oh, just nails it. Every he contract, every transaction, everything, everything that you can Bobby, throw at Bobby him. Bobby is top Bobby, notch. Yeah, I've always you. loved having him on all of my shows. What he said there, though, about Joe Mazzula at the very end when he threw out that nugget, I thought that was interesting where he said Joe Mazzula probably saves his job with the C's going to seven. I mean, it wasn't long ago. I mean, a couple games ago, Joe, where everybody was – talking about maybe him not being the answer there in Boston and then moving on from him after just a season. I would find that shocking at this point. But I will say this. Joe Mazzula, you ain't pop. And you ain't Bill Belichick. And I don't know what the heck you're doing with how you're treating the media, but go ahead and do some winning first before you go ahead and develop that attitude. Because that is getting real old real fast for me with Joe Mazzula. Yeah, it might be smart to taking a different approach with how you answer some of these questions because, you know, these people do have some powerful platforms and if they're all rallying against you and the pressure becomes too great in Boston, boom, you could be out. There's a lot he needs to work on. He's the youngest head coach in the NBA. He's a first-time head coach. I don't think you need to take a look at the situation. He stepped in late, okay? They had the whole scandal there in Boston with Udoka. He steps in. He gets them back to the conference finals. They go to game seven. I know it's a disappointment, but I don't think you need to make any rash decisions right now unless you thought an incredible upgrade was out there. If you're going to give him another year, give him another year. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But Missoula has got to show progress. He's got to handle the media better than he does, and he's also got to make in-game adjustments in a much more effective and efficient fashion because he waited too long for a lot of what he did. Robert Williams and Derek White, that switch happened late. And when it did, it worked huge. But he's got to be on that stuff quicker. Guys like Mike Malone in Denver, they're making switches instantaneously. Like as soon as the Lakers found a little bit of success at the end of game one by switching uh, Rui Hachimura onto Nikola Jokic, he knew exactly how to counter that. They ended up putting, I think it was uh, Michael Porter Jr. at the four. Mm-hmm. They sat Aaron Gordon down, and boom, just like that, Davis was caught in no man's land again on defense. So that's what you're up against. you got to improve in those two regards, and if you do, everything can be great. But if you don't, it's going to be short work. When I heard, I believe it was Jay Will talking about the changing narrative there with Missoula, where they win a couple games, they start clawing their way back from that 3-0 deficit, and all of a sudden people are acting like, well, maybe he figured something out. He's adjusted. Well, all coaches adjust. Like you just, every coach adjusts. That is quite literally your job, is to make those adjustments from game to game. He'll get better at the adjustments. He'll get better at the in-game adjustments. I don't think that there should be at all any reason for Boston to go ahead and punt on Missoula yet. They did just go to seven in the Eastern Conference Finals. That is a pretty successful season by most standards. All of that being said, I hate when Greg Popovich treats the media like that. I hate when Bill Belichick treats the media like that. At least those dudes have done all the winning, though, and had all the championships. If you're going to be a curmudgeon to the media, to people that are just growing adults doing their jobs, at least have a lot of rings on your finger by the time that you do that. Pop wasn't doing that at the beginning of his career. I just don't know what Missoula is doing in that respect. Coming up next, 
It's your turn to weigh in. We're going to open up the phone lines. 888-SAY-ESPN. Give us a call. We love when you join the conversation. 888-729-3776. What is your hottest take as we head into an NBA Finals? How confident are you that my Miami Heat are going to sweep these Denver Nuggets? DeAndre Hopkins, whatever you want to talk about. The phone lines are open. We play some caller roulette next. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Joe and Amber, we love when you join the conversation. Bring us your hottest takes. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. You can also tweet to us at Joe Fortenbaugh. That's how you find him. At Amber W Sports. That's how you find me. Let's play some caller roulette. 13 black odd. No winner. Spin the wheel. Make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber. Let's spin that beautiful wheel. Jay, Jay is in Miami. Hey, Jay, 305, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, what's good, what's good? No, you know, I Miami's going to win the series. No no sweep or nothing like that. But no, I'm surprised. No one in the media has picked up on this. Jimmy Butler has consistently said from the start of the play that Miami Heat will go to the NBA championship and that they will win it. Matter of fact, here locally, he gave Coco Golf the golfer, Tickets to the NBA Finals, or at least he promised her tickets to the NBA Finals. Even Eric Spolster stated that nobody in the playoffs want to see us. And I'm surprised no one in the media. And it's not even hyperbole. Jimmy Butler has come uh, confidently and quietly said, yes, we're going to win. We're okay. We're not worried. But nobody in the media is really picking up on that. Well, one thing that I will say that everybody in the media has been talking about in fairness to Miami and in fairness here to Jimmy Butler is the fact that Butler, the footage of him last year after game seven, which Boston won in Miami, they headed to an NBA finals. They lose, they win game seven. Jimmy Butler's at his post game press conferences. He says the next year, we're going to be in this exact same situation and we're going to come for a different result and we're going to be able to get it done. And he was right. They were in the exact same situation game seven against the exact same team in the Eastern conference finals. Once again, yet a, different result they get past Boston they get to an NBA finals a lot of people have been splicing those videos together Jimmy Butler promises a lot of stuff I am 305 till I die and a huge Miami Heat fan I will say though it's kind of fair when you're the eighth seed and you had a so-so and that might be overstating it a bit regular season that people are sleeping on you a little bit when you come into a postseason Quick correction on the call. Coco Golf, a tennis player, yeah, not a golfer. Player. Not to knock the call. Just want a correction out there for anyone who's unsure. Um, I understand the gripe if you're a Miami fan and you feel like you're not getting your flowers, but you know what? Look across the court because you're about to face the Denver Nuggets. You think you have it bad and that Butler's not getting enough media attention? Denver was getting nothing. The whole focus in that series was on the Lakers. Denver wins game one. Okay, the Lakers are in an 0-1 hole. Can they steal one on the road? Denver wins game two. Okay, can the Lakers hold serve at home and get back in this series? Denver goes up 3-0. Oh, can the Lakers become the first team in history to come back from 3-0 down to win a series? Denver sweeps the Lakers. Oh, is LeBron James going to retire? Like, it's the all disrespect NBA Finals. If you feel bad as a Miami fan, like you're not getting enough credit or Jimmy Butler's not getting talked about enough, it's even worse for the fans in Denver. So now you both have an opportunity to air it out, 
on the court in front of everybody. And, you know, we'll find our next storyline as we work through that. Sports Center put out a tweet, and I love ESPN, and I love myself some Sports Center, obviously. However, I want to go ahead and distance myself from whatever you're about to say. I don't agree with man, whatever it is. Smart man. <laughs> Sports Center put out a tweet after the game that says, the Celtics nearly did the impossible with clapping hands emojis and a picture of Jason Tatum and it talking about how they almost clawed their way out of an 03 hole. Right. I'm like, what is this headline? Like, they, that, what we're focusing on is that the Celtics almost, almost did the impossible. Didn't actually do it, but almost. And it seemed like a congratulatory tweet, which I don't even think Boston wants that at this point. Just really strange. I added ESPN. I said, I love you, but what the hell is this? Yeah. And you know what? Fair. However, you are right. This is the finals of both of that. Like, now, what is the, what it, what? What are we going to do nationally? Now you can't sleep on Denver or Miami. <laughs> There's no Lakers. I mean, no well, we, can, we can just hate on everybody if we want. But again, that's how it works. It's a ratings-oriented business. And talking about the disaster for the Lakers and the Celtics rates a little bit better than talking about the success for Denver and Miami. It doesn't mean you don't have a fair gripe. Just try to understand the business model. Let's spin it. Our friend Terrence in Georgia. Hey, Terrence, thanks for the call. What do you have? I have two things, guys. I would love DeAndre Hopkins on my team, the Giants, and uh, Denver in four. Denver in four. Shots fired. That thing's plus 525, by the way. Denver in four. All right, or gentlemen, sweet. That's it. I got to be honest. One hundred pays five. I'm not sure you're getting on, on air suite. tomorrow night. Okay, I don't know. If that's the way to placate yourself to Amber Wilson. So you might want to skip Colorado tomorrow night. You got to at least give the Heat a game. Let's spin it. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff is in Louisiana. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for the call. Go ahead. Jeff. Jeff, Louisiana. All right, you lose. Let's spin it. In Michigan, Craig, do better than Jeff. You got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Well, first of all, congratulations for being the first person that I've ever heard describe another human being as curmudgeon. I looked it up. It says a bad-tempered person, especially an old one. So, I learned if, you know, I love sports, but I definitely added to my vocabulary. Thank you for that. Also, um, wrapping it up, Miami, I knew the math said that they were supposed to win. The same math that said that the you know, Celtics weren't going to get swept and not win any games. Math works out. The team that was ahead and been playing better for the most part won. And uh, it, it, it was fun. It was fun to watch. Yeah, take that uh, 3% analytics Again, ESPN, I love you. I love you. But take that 3% analytics and, you know, do something with it. I mean, yeah, that didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one didn't age well, as the kids say. It did not age well. That one did not age well at all. It, it's all I keep seeing all over Heat Twitter here the last 24 hours. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they've got a lot more than a 3% chance at entertaining you. They are coming up next. Yeah. ESPN Radio. <laughs> is also on the ESPN app. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.